and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Tracy Fettinger beat multiple sclerosis by adopting a plant-based diet. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Tracy Fettinger. Greetings and welcome back, Tracy. If you people who are watching or listening, if you have MS or if you have a friend or loved one with multiple sclerosis, have you ever wondered whether it's possible to overcome symptoms or relapses associated with MS? Well, Tracy is going to answer your questions today because she just loves to talk about it because she has a great story for you. So first, Tracy, for those of us that are maybe new to this topic, why don't you tell us what is multiple sclerosis? Multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease that affects your central nervous system. So multiple meaning many and sclerosis meaning scars. They look for many scars in your brain and spinal cord. And basically your body instead of attacking foreign things in your body attacks the myelin sheath around your nerves and causes that to basically fray and your nervous system is very important and it needs that protection to work accurately so it makes it very difficult for your nervous system to work the way that it should because it doesn't have that protective layer yes and of course, you have firsthand experience with that. Did you want to talk about that? Talk about your story? Sure. So what's really interesting about MS is that because it all depends on where your scarring is, where that myelin sheath has been um, attacked, everybody's symptoms are a little bit different. And so MS is a diagnosis of exclusion. So back in 2011, I had this weird tingly sensation in my toe of my right foot and it worked itself up to my hip. And so everybody kept saying it was sciatica, sciatica, and I'm like, okay. And then shortly thereafter, it was also in my left toe all the way up to my other hip. And I went to the chiropractor, long story short, it was not sciatica. I ended up in the emergency room where they did some neurological testing because I couldn't get in with a neurologist fast enough. And they did MRIs and you name it, they ran the gamut, made sure I didn't have anything else. And finally they did what's called a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap and they ruled out everything else with the MRIs, they saw the scarring of my brain and spinal cord and concluded that it was multiple sclerosis. That's a very devastating thing to hear. It must have just shocked you, I mean, especially because of your age and your condition. Yes, I was considered fairly healthy at the time. I was the healthiest of most of my friends. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I found out later I was, you know, the healthiest unhealthy person. But um, at the time when I got the diagnosis, it was very scary because all I really knew about MS is that someone in my church or well, not someone, the pastor in my church as a youth stood up one Sunday and said, guys, I just found out I have MS. So this is my last sermon. I'll be retiring. So in my mind, 
MS meant you're done. And yeah, I was still fairly young at the time. And it just, it was, it was very jarring. It was, it was very shocking. But um, as I tell everyone, you need to be your own self-advocate and you need to do your research. And so that's how all this started. And I found out that MS is not a death sentence. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And we, we're going to start off with our true or false. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so our first question is kind of a long one, but true or false, Green Warriors, genes are the starting point for both health and disease, but they must be activated or expressed to have any effect. Nutrition plays a critical role to determine which genes are expressed. That's a long question. So type in your answer, and then we're going to ask Tracy to talk more about that. Go ahead, Tracy. So absolutely, genes are not your destiny. And I uh, know we spoke briefly about this, but I am in the middle of yet another nutrition course where I am learning so many things. And this has been a major topic of this course. So we all have certain things in our DNA and in, in our genes, but there are certain things that can turn things that can turn those genes on. And there are things that can turn those genes off and your nutrition is the most important thing in turning those genes on or off. And so um, it makes me wonder, had I eaten differently growing up, would my MS genes have been turned on? There are other factors and they do not know the absolute cause of MS, but more and more studies are showing that nutrition just plays a critical role in so many chronic diseases. And so the better you eat, the better your health and longevity. And that's something that you're learning now as you're taking your nutrition course, but you had a first chance to learn about this after your diagnosis. So how did you discover this? I didn't really know the words per se, um, and what I also have heard many people talk about is most people believe that nutrition is responsible for prevention. But what they don't realize is that nutrition can also be responsible for reversal. And that's what I experienced. So I ate the standard American diet growing up. Um, I lived through the 80s, so I was all about low fat, read those nutrition labels, make sure all the numbers are the right thing. And then I realized that, you know, add water and stir cooking is not really the best cooking. We really do need to have fewer processed whole foods in our diet. And so um, I learned that that could help me overcome my symptoms with MS. So I transitioned to a whole foods plant-based diet. Um, I did it in steps, but I am now not just surviving with MS, but I am thriving and I am not debilitating like most people 11 years after their diagnosis. I am still working. I, I, I just like to say I'm thriving and not just surviving. And it's mainly because of my dietary changes. I've done a few other things, but the biggest thing is I'm giving my body the nutrition it needs to overcome these 
symptoms and be optimal. I'm glad that you're talking about this. Of course, I mean, I'm the green with Amy and I'm all about eating healthy and some people haven't learned about this and it, it makes me feel sad, but I'm also optimistic and hopeful because when I have people like you on the show, maybe we will attract people who have never been exposed to learning about this different lifestyle and maybe they can be helped. Sometimes people are learning about these different kinds of lifestyles and maybe people have heard about a whole food plant-based lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle or vegetarian, but they, maybe they don't know too much about it. So. Let's unpack, what kind of lifestyle do you mean as far as your nutrition? So vegan is a simple word to use and it's especially important, like at restaurants, I'll usually ask, do you have anything vegan? But when people ask me, are you vegan? I kind of have to hesitate and I'll say, yes, but it's more than that because there's a lot of vegan junk food out there and there are many different reasons why people go vegan. Sometimes it's ethical, sometimes it's health, whatever. But I always like to use that term whole food, plant-based. I as little processing as possible, as few chemicals as possible, you know, just really trying to eat food in its most natural state. I do have to say a caveat, I process it sometimes because I do love making me some hummus and I need a food processor for that. But we're not talking, I'm talking about like processing at a plant where they take stuff out and they put stuff in and they change the natural state of the food. I tell people there are items that are vegan that I choose not to eat because what I choose to eat is what's the healthiest and most beneficial for my body and that is going to be the most nutrient dense food that I can find which is mainly you know vegetables fruits whole grains uh, lentils or legumes and lentils all those plant foods and um, I, I no animal products whatsoever there is a lot of processing going on some of it is because well basically it started because of the World War II where they had to find a way to feed the soldiers that were out in the trenches and they didn't have refrigerators so they couldn't just give them fresh food so they developed ways of having food that wouldn't spoil but because they did that they had to take things out of the food and a lot of the things they took out of the food were the things that were nutrients and they had to put things in like chemicals to make them not spoil and that caught on as a convenience for a lot of people and a lot of the food manufacturers decided well it would be really nice to sell something that didn't spoil so quickly and then I could have my product stay on the shelf longer. Some of it sounded like good but I don't think that they were meant to be consumed on a daily basis every day of your life right i think you hit the nail on the head at that time it was a matter of survival our, our our warriors needed to survive in the trenches you know and now it's a convenience and there are many other ways to eat conveniently but it doesn't necessarily have to be because all i did was pop it out of a box and put it in the microwave <laughs> again if it's a if it's a matter of survival that's one thing we we definitely have to eat but if at all possible we need to eat the most nutritious stuff that we can so that our body that is making new cells every day can make wonderful superior cells and not those inferior cells that invite disease what we eat makes us that's 
when we get a cut on our hand and it heals, it's because of what we eat that is making those new skin cells and all the other things that we don't even see what's going on inside of our bodies. I have another true or false question. True or false, less than 10% of adults meet the guidelines for consumption of whole grains, whole fruits, and non-starchy vegetables per day. So less than 10%. True or false? What do you think, guys? And they're going to type in their answer. And what do you say, Tracy? It is true. I definitely, not just from my own research, but all of these scientific research um, facilities that have done it and that have shared their information with the course I'm taking, less than 10% of adults. And I'm pretty sure that might be Americans. I can't, I can't say for sure if that was a worldwide study or a specific to us at this point because you know this was kind of last minute but um yeah less than 10 percent of us get the fruits and veggies and whole grains that we need in a day and it's really really sad and um unfortunately it it is so easy to get that food that convenience food that that just fills our stomach but doesn't nourish our bodies and um the, the ease of everything. It def definitely makes it more challenging for people to want to take that next step of, well, you know, it's real easy to run through the drive through. I got to go home and cook it. I don't know. But once you start doing that, like this, this is what happened for me anyway, when I started cooking actually real food and ingesting real whole foods, I started feeling so much better. I started having more energy. I started wanting to be in the kitchen instead of just going through the drive-through and I have think I faced every challenge out there or at least some sort of every challenge out there because when I started this I was working 50 60 hours a week and commuting 10 to 15 hours a week so that made you know my work week a 70 to 80 hour work week and yet I was still able to do it um, when you have good food at home, those drive foods just don't, they don't call to you anymore. It's just so much easier to, to eat the delicious food that I know is nourishing my body instead of just something that's filling the hole and not really nourishing. Yes, it is so important to have good food. Long ago, doctors used to smoke cigarettes in the hospitals. People would who would work in offices, they would be smoking cigarettes. You go to a movie theater, you go to a restaurant, you go on an airplane, everybody was smoking. The Surgeon General came out with a warning saying that it caused lung cancer and other bad things, but people kept smoking. And finally, enough of the research came out that people started to realize, okay, Maybe this is not a good idea, and they started to put into different laws that you couldn't. Well, first there was a smoking and a non-smoking section <laughs> in, on the airplane, <laughs> and in some restaurants too, and places. But then after a while, people stopped smoking in in a lot of the public places. And now, if you would see something like that, it would just look so strange to you. Even if you were a smoker, you'd say, "Wow, I didn't think that people could smoke here." So now we have all this processed foods. And these are things that come in crinkly packages and have, if you read the ingredients, you wouldn't recognize them. We wouldn't know what they were and you wouldn't be able to recreate this in your kitchen the way that they make it. And that's how we know it's processed. To us, at least people that are not eating in the way that you described, it seems normal. But hopefully, eventually, with all the research that is coming out, 
people will realize this is not the normal way to eat and it's not what our bodies are meant to have. And maybe maybe one day there's that hope of that Surgeon General's warning on some of that. But I do I do want to say in the sake of, you know, the busy families and whatnot, there there are some companies out there that are making things uh, that are, are providing pre-packaged foods that that are not full of the chemicals and the processing and so they're they're very few and far between but you kind of said something that made me think so my rule of thumb is most of the stuff i buy doesn't have a label because it's just an ingredient itself you know a a head of romaine lettuce or a um, can of black beans or whatever but if i read i don't read the nutrition label i read the ingredient list and if i have all of those ingredients at home in my cabinet or in my refrigerator then that sort of gets like the check of approval like i could make this at home but i'm going to save myself a little time okay but when you start looking at you know red dye number 11 or monosodium glutamate or some of those things that we don't have that stuff in our cabinets and our refrigerators that's when you have to kind of draw the line and go yeah maybe i don't want that box of stuff (laughs) yeah to talk about some of the symptoms of ms that you experienced and then talk about the changes that you felt as far as those symptoms after you started to change your lifestyle all right so I have the kind of personality that I tend to always look for the silver lining and I kind of block out negative things and I think it's good to some extent. But at one time, I had a list of 30 different symptoms I had experienced. Now I kind of regret it, but at one point I went, I'm over all that and I ripped it up and threw it away. And I can't remember all of them, but um, I do I do know some of them. The, my gait issue was probably the most visual, you know, MS sometimes isn't really a visual disease because a lot of times it's cognitive or those nerves. Right. But talk about gait as far as, you know, walking and being yeah. able to walk on my own balance and um, whatnot. I, I didn't ever really have to have a cane, but if I was on uneven ground, I had to hold on to something or have my husband near me. I had to wear certain types of shoes. I could not wear my little girly shoes for a long time. So walking, balance, that was a big thing. I had some visual issues where my vision just would kind of come and go. And I'd have great vision sometimes and not so great vision sometimes. Um, And it wasn't necessarily after a stressful day. It was just kind of weird timing. Another thing, something that's very common in MS patients is fatigue and also the effect that heat has on you so if i get too hot i am just like i I start experience different things i get that tingly numb sensation back in certain areas but also and this is for a lot of people but it's so much more extreme like the heat just totally zaps me like if i get overheated I am done. Like it, It's just like I am totally worn out. It's like my gas tank went from full to empty like that. And um, I hear a lot of MS patients in some of the support groups that I'm in. They say, you know, other people don't understand. Other people just say I'm lazy or I just need to get over it. But it is really hard to understand. But it literally is like someone poked a hole in our gas tank and we were on full and we were going 60 miles an hour and then all of a sudden we are just at a dead stop and can't move on i've had instances where i have needed to sit down and then i can't get up for several minutes until my body cools back down 
and and stops experiencing those symptoms. Um, so fatigue and the heat, those are really big issues. Gait is also something that's pretty common. I had a little bit of ringing in my ears. I had hair falling out. Um, I had headaches really, really bad. I didn't have migraines. I learned, I used to think a migraine just meant a bad headache, but I learned the difference. Um, but again, it's one thing when you've had a stressful day and you have a headache, but when your day has been fine and then all of a sudden your head is just throbbing and you have no idea why, it was really difficult, but it's all these nerve endings that are sending the signals and they can't get the signals through. So your, your body's just not working properly and it's exhausting itself because it keeps trying to work properly. It keeps trying to send those signals and it's not going through. So those are some of the, the key things that I really remember. I know it wasn't all 30 of them. And like I said, I, I kicked myself a few times for throwing that list away, but I was just so excited um, that I didn't have to deal with it anymore, but <laughs> that's, that's the path. <laughs> so you adopted this whole food plant-based lifestyle that we kind of talked about a little bit. And then did you notice anything right away? What was, what did you notice? So this was something that was totally foreign to me. And so I guess it all depends on your personality type, but I knew that I wasn't as knowledgeable as I needed to be. But what I did know is that if I just ate all the plants that I was normally eating day to day, that I was not going to get the proper nutrition. So I knew that I needed to kind of dive in a little more, do some more research and figure out, okay, how do, how do you get what you need just eating plants, which I found out it is super simple, but you do have to eat a variety of plants and you have to, um, you know, make sure that you're eating enough because although they're nutrient dense, they are not calorie dense. And so I took a very methodical approach. I started with one meal a week and quickly moved into one meal a day. And then I did one full day a week and I gave myself six months to transition from the standard American diet to, I'm just going to say a plant-based diet, because again, I was still learning. And so my first goal was eat just plants. And it wasn't really the, the whole food plant-based because there are a few other things with that, with like the extracted oils and, and whatnot, but I was just eat plants, just eat plants. And of course now I've learned about, you know, organic and all the toxins that they put on stuff. So, but at the beginning it was just eat plants, six months to transition. And then I wanted to be fully plant-based for six months before I did anything else as far as like changing my medication or anything like that. And I actually started, the more I did it, the better I felt, the faster I did it. And so I actually ended up transitioning in a little less than six months. And I mean, just felt so much better. Um, I also incorporated a sleep schedule because trying to help with the fatigue. So between the sleep schedule and eating better, I was just high energy exuberance. As a matter of fact, um, the person that used to fake asthma because I hated running um, started jogging because I just had so much extra energy and um, started jogging to get rid of some of that energy and all these different things. It's just unreal. But I, I took it a step at a time. I know that some people say, oh no, I'm just gonna do it cold turkey. And if that's if that's you, great.
but I think you need to go into it with a knowledge base because a lot of people go into it cold turkey and they end up not feeling so great. And that's because they're not really getting everything that they need. They're not really focused on the right things. Like the bulk of my diet is dark leafy greens. It's not potatoes. You know, I, I do eat potatoes, but it's, it's, it's not those french fries or even that baked potato. It's dark leafy greens, a lot of fruits, a lot of different vegetables, high variety. I try to eat in season whenever possible. So there's a lot of different steps that I've taken since then. But originally my goal was just eat plants, whatever it is, just eat plants. And so then I learned about, okay, let's do less, less of the processing. Let's do, you know, whole food. Let's Let's get our fats from the avocado and the nuts and the seeds themselves instead of, um, you know, drizzling oil on something. So it, it definitely is a journey. And that, that's what I say. That's part of the title of my book. It is my journey to wellness with an autoimmune disease because I'm still on it. I'm still taking steps. I'm still finding new ways to improve. And I think you can always find those other steps. So I try to tell people, you know, start with small sustainable steps and just take one step at a time if that's what you can do so i think that when people hear about this lifestyle they think of i can't just eat salad and celery and carrot sticks i think that that's what they might think about i eat whole food plant-based and i love it because i love to eat yeah. and i can eat a lot a lot of food that tastes really good and not just celery and carrots there's so much more to it but why don't you talk about your experience with it so i do i do have a lot of people say stuff like so all you eat is salad I'm like no that's not all i eat like i eat really well um and uh i do eat a lot of veggies and yes i eat salads but that's not the the bulk of my dietary needs because I, I like variety and everything so um just to give you an example um i'll tell you what i ate today and so far i had a quinoa and mixed fruit salad this morning with walnuts and cacao nibs for breakfast and that was mango blueberries kiwi and pineapple in with some quinoa and some mint and then some walnuts and cacao nibs and you didn't you didn't put this on a scale and weigh nope. it. Nope, weigh I just filled my bowl and ate as much as I wanted. <laughs> um, I eat, I have a lot of people say, you're gonna eat all that? Mm-hmm, and I'm gonna do it three times a day. Cause I, I eat. What's funny is I eat a lot as far as volume, but it ends up still not being as much calorie density as some of my friends that eat like birds because they're gonna eat, you know, a half of a quarter pounder and their fries and maybe just half of their milkshake but all of that is just you know empty calories whereas ours are nutrient dense but so that was my breakfast and then for lunch jesse t said yum <laughs> i said yum in my head too <laughs> um, so for lunch today i had a cucumber dill salad on top of a bed of spring mix and then I also had a stuffed baked potato. And then when I say a stuffed baked potato, this is what I stuff it with. I put my baked potato down. I put some of my homemade barbecue sauce on there because too much sugar and added garbage in the store-bought kind. Then I put on some pinto beans and steamed broccoli and a little more of my barbecue sauce, a little garlic uh, herb blend seasoning, and a little sriracha because I like a little heat. So I just like the, the top of my heat level, but um, 
and then ate that up with salad. That was my lunch um, with a couple of sliced strawberries for dessert. And then tonight, let me think. I have it. You said lots of veggies. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, definitely lots of veggies. Um, tonight I'm having stuffed tomatoes with a zingy cucumber avocado soup. So I stuffed the tomatoes with black beans, corn, green onions. I have a cheese sauce that I make, which is also veggie packed as well because it's based on sweet potatoes and carrots and nutritional yeast. And it comes out kind of like a cheesy nacho sauce. It's one of my favorite things. So that's in there. Yeah, you could even have that as a soup. <laughs> and the thing is, is, you can eat as much as you want because the cheese is just another serving of vegetables. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I say cheese lightly. Obviously, if this is not like the thick yellow stuff you're going to get on top of your nachos at the ballpark, but it is a cheesy-like substance. And when you go without dairy cheese for some time, which it was a really long time that I went without it before I started making some of my own. Like they, they taste really good. Now, if you just ate, ate regular cheese yesterday and then you eat my cheese, you're probably going to be like, mm, I don't think that's very cheesy. But like I said, when you go without for a while and you just want something to meet that craving, it, it works. And so um, I use it on lots of different things, pizza, potatoes, nachos, you name it. It's just one of those recipes that kind of goes with everything. <laughs> Right. And again, you're not weighing or measuring any of this food. You no. just eat until you're comfortably full and you're not worrying about it and, you, and you're not portioning it out or anything. And it also tastes good. I think that that may, let's talk a little bit about how maybe when you first started, maybe you had to, your taste buds had to adapt. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so what's really cool is you're, you know, we were just talking about how your cells die off and get replaced. And so your taste buds replace themselves every two weeks. Now, that does not mean that your tastes change that quickly. But what that means is as they are replacing themselves every two weeks, you do start changing the way that you taste things and how things taste change to you. So I will be the first to say that at a certain point in my life, there were certain things I did not care for. Brussels sprouts being one of them. Now, I also learned that most people overcook them but I absolutely love Brussels sprouts now. Used to, I could never eat a green pea. They were my nemesis. I used to hide them in my milk at dinner. Um, <laughs> I wish I could have thought of that. <laughs> my mom found out though, because I forgot to take my dishes to the sink and she pours out the milk and there's all the peas. And I'm like, oh, she learned. But, um, now I eat green peas, but your definitely do change over time. And that's when I what I want to say too about how like when I started it was just just eat your veggies and and really it was you know about making them palatable at the time and because I had been on that standard American diet where a lot of stuff was processed and, and heavily salted and seasoned and whatnot that's kind of how I started too like uh, whatever it takes to get those veggies in you so I was using more oil more salt and what I've kind of uh evolved to i guess you would say it's like i still use a lot of seasonings but it's you know it's garlic powder not garlic salt it's um you know different herbs and spices which also have a lot of nutritional benefits i i sprinkle a little turmeric and black pepper on everything for the anti-inflammatory aspect and if you just do a little bit on everything you get enough to help but you don't taste it um but i have kind of moved on 
to, again, healthier and healthier versions of how I started. But at first, I, I needed that. And actually, what's really funny is I actually need to salt my food. Now, I mean, I don't salt it a lot, but because I have very low blood pressure because of all the veggies doing their job cleaning out my arteries, um, it's nowhere near the amount of salt that I was eating when I was eating processed foods. But I do need a little bit of salt on my food just to keep everything in my body balance. And so I know there are some people who totally stay away from salt. So, you know, there are different aspects and you have to find where you fit and what is working best for your body. So um, my husband's all the time saying, oh, I don't I don't need any salt. I'm like, yeah, I already salted it. It's good. But, it's you know, just a little bit. And so he um, sometimes will cook something and, and not add any salt because he learned that salt's very bad for you. And I'm like, but babe, you're cooking grits. You need a little bit of salt in your grits. You know, that's why they don't taste good because you didn't put any salt in them. But, <laughs> um, yeah, but for you, people who want to have salt and they want to add a little bit, it's really best to do it at the end of the cooking because if you do it while you're cooking, it kind of just dissipates into the food and you don't really get that strong salty hit as if when you're done cooking and then you put it on top. Right, and there are different kinds of salt as well. You know, there's the pink Himalayan salt, there's the sea salt, there's different things. And, you know, they say there's all kinds of stuff out there about what's better and what's not better. But um, I just tend to say if I'm using the bare minimum, it doesn't really matter which salt I'm using, but I like the color of the pink salt, so I get that. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever, but um, I don't usually get the iodized, totally processed salt, but yeah, and, and if you want that big hit, definitely at the end, because I don't really want that big hit. I tend to use it a little bit more in the cooking because I find that I use less but again everybody's a little different if you yeah. want that really salty bang then yes do it at the end i don't personally salt my food but i tell that to some people who if they try to have food without salt they can't tolerate it at first because of their taste buds haven't neuroadapt so that's sometimes what i recommend because it's better to have some salt on it than to go with the processed food so let's just talk about some of the other things that you've done as far as your lifestyle change it's so interesting when people discover this whole food plant-based lifestyle and they see the benefits of it then they start to learn more and see how there are other lifestyle changes that they can make it, it kind of just makes you want to do more because you say wow and changing what i eat is going to do this for me what other things could i maybe change so what did you discover that you could change to help you with the MS and maybe just, you know, life in general? It's not just about MS because this is not just a diet for MS. It really is a diet for people who want to be healthy. Definitely. And, and any autoimmune disease or just like you said, anybody that just wants to get healthier for sure. But um, specifically, I've done some things for MS and then I've done other things just for, you know, to go along with my principles and whatnot. So I talked briefly about a sleep schedule because fatigue is, is a major issue with MS patients. So roughly within about an hour, I go to sleep and wake up at the same time every day. And I've done it so long now that I don't even really need an alarm clock unless I have to wake up early for some reason. But within an hour, I am asleep same, within an hour at the same time every night and within an hour at the same time every morning I'm awake. There have been some exceptions when I'm sick. Obviously, I'm going to, you know, sleep in, but I, I don't really get sick a whole lot. Um, but if, you know, you're coming down with something, your body needs a little bit more sleep. But uh, so I do a sleep schedule that has really helped 
me with that. Um, I also, I used to be pretty active. And then when my MS hit, I just couldn't because of some of the issues with my body functioning, but also the heat. But I found yoga and there are specific MS yoga classes out there. And that's how I started. Now, are, um, are, are you talking about online or local? I actually was doing something in person local because this was back years ago. But now just about everywhere has something online as well. But there's I think it's called OMS yoga. I'll have to look that up. But um, there's a place in it's relatively local it's called um, in Jacksonville. But they do everything online now and it is specifically for MS patients. So you can go in person online and I'm sure there are many others. But that's how I kind of got started. That and is interesting that they have a specific yoga for MS patients. So when you continue talking about that, but I would also like to know, because well, I'd like to do yoga and I would like to know what's different about that. So they go through a training and basically because there are MS patients like me who are totally functioning and then there are MS patients in wheelchairs that are not as totally functioning. So like in the class, they would say, okay, everybody, we're going to do pigeon pose. Here's the proper way. And then here are some modifications. Um, yes. The modifications. So if you need to hold on to a chair in order to keep your balance, or if you're in a chair because you can't stand up, this is how you do it. And so it was about those modifications that would still allow them to reap the benefits, but not be in the quote unquote proper pose. Also, a lot of things, a lot of people think yoga, hot yoga, that's going to be 90 some odd degrees in the room. Oh, you know, we don't do that. We well, do especially you yoga. wouldn't be doing hot yoga. <laughs> it's, it's not so much necessarily the, the poses themselves, but the modifications for the degree of your debilitation that you may or may not have. Right. And it's um, interesting also, and I want you to keep talking about the yoga, but it's interesting also because I think, I don't know if it's still the, the case, but I think years ago, if someone had a diagnosis of MS, that they would be instructed not to be active. Do they still do that now? No, no. They say like, you really need to stay active, but you need to find ways that, you know, that you enjoy and that are not going to exacerbate things. So I told you that I started jogging and that was great in the winter time, right? But here we are in South Georgia, North Florida. So there's only this small segment of the year where I can jog comfortably with my symptoms. So I start, I just loved it so much. I actually bought a rebounder. And so I now jog every day in my air conditioned home in front of my TV with a nature walk channel on youtube or something so that i'm still seeing nature because they have studies that show whether you're in nature or just looking at pictures of nature it has that same um experience in the brain and the body so i still get to jog every day i also don't have to worry about traffic or snakes or rocks or anything like that so now Honestly, even in the winter, I tend to do it inside because it's just so much easier. <laughs> Yoga is something that just about everybody can do and you don't have to be flexible. Yoga helps make you flexible. So that's the common thing that we hear. Oh, I'm just not flexible, but it's something that just about everyone can do. And especially if you find an instructor that knows, okay, here's how you need to modify this. It really is helpful. And there are 
um, classes that they can take. So if you have, if you know a yoga instructor or know a yoga studio, go to them and say, can someone here get certified in MS yoga so I can start taking classes? It's, it's, so there's actually a certification for MS yoga. Wow. Yes. Yeah, because we have someone that comes on the broadcast once in a while, Angela Fischetti, and she yes. likes to do office chair yoga, and she shows different modifications. So I'm going to talk to her about that. Yeah, and that might, I mean, again, if you're in a wheelchair, an office chair, that might be something that can kind of go hand in hand. So um, the one other thing that I do specifically for my MS is I do a small amount of supplementation. So um, there are lots of studies that show that there may be a link um to vitamin d with ms so although the very best way to get your vitamin d is for your body to make it itself and that is 15 to 20 minutes in the sunshine sometimes it's a little harder than others but you know fresh air and sunshine are super important so sometimes i'm able to get my 15 to 20 minutes sometimes i'm not so i do supplement with a vitamin d but it's very important to know that in order for a vitamin d supplement to work correctly in the body, you also need vitamin K. So there's a D3 and K2, and sometimes you can get them already combined, but you can get them right. separately And well. I think that everybody, whether you have MS or not, everybody should be tested. And even if you live in a southern state, that doesn't mean that your vitamin D level is optimal because yeah. many, many people are low and some are even deficient. And even in places like Florida, it's not uncommon for that to happen. So I think there's a vitamin D 25 hydroxy test and you can figure it out and work with your physician to determine how many international units you should take. And vitamin D, it plays a role in so many different things. And you're right, so many people are deficient and they don't know. My sister had a problem and she was taking, I forget how many I use, but I said, are you taking K2? And she says, no. What do you mean? So I told her about it. She started taking K2, and within two weeks, her vitamin D was finally up to the, the accurate levels. And she had been supplementing more and more and more with no mm. results. So it's very important. And then I also do a B complex because vitamin B basically comes from bacteria that we used to get when we did a whole lot more gardening and farming ourselves. And it is now found in animal foods basically because guess what those animals eat they eat the grass and the plants that have the bacteria on it and that's how it is found in animal products so because we have such a more stringent sanitation process for things um and even if we are growing our own food i don't know i do that a little bit but i bring it in and wash it because i don't i <laughs> I just do. So B, uh, a B complex is super, super important, especially with B12. And um, so if you're not eating those products that are going to naturally have it in there, then you need to supplement that. But those are really the only things that I supplement with. And, and having your B12 levels checked as well is so important. Even if you're not plant-based or vegan, there are people that are low, even if they're not. So that's something that's critical and very, very important. And if you are low, you could have some permanent damage to your body if you don't take care of that. So I encourage everybody to work with their doctors and, and figure that out as well. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought those up because it's so important. Oh yes, and so I do I do stay active. I do other things than yoga, walk my dogs, and that's, that's part of how I get my vitamin D is, you know, they, they have to be walked and 
Um, we do a minimum of three walks a day, sometimes as many as six, and sometimes I have to get creative with how to do that. Sometimes we're going like really early in the morning, so then I'm not really getting my vitamin D. Sometimes I'm going after the sun went down, so I'm not really, that's why I also supplement. But um, uh, they have these things called cooling vests and this cooling gear specifically for MS patients. But although those are great, I will tell you basically what it is. It's just the little frozen gel packs that you can put in your lunchbox. And I would just put those all in my pockets and um, have I have a, a belt that goes around my midsection. And I can put some in there and in my pockets and then I can get those dogs walked and still somewhat stay cool. So and also if you do get overheated, um, your wrists are hold on, your veins are closest to the skin surface of the skin and your wrist. So if you place an ice pack or something cold on your wrist, you can actually feel the cool blood moving up. And it is the, that is the, the fastest way to cool down. So if anybody is getting overheated, that's a little trick that I've learned. Um, and I've got some little wristlets that I can put an ice pack there if I wanted it to, but they tend to not stay when I'm vigorously walking with the dog. So. <laughs> In all respects, it just seems like after your diagnosis, you could have just had a pity party and just said, okay, I guess this is my lot in life and I have to accept it. But you became proactive and you decided to learn and, and you decided to live with your food and different lifestyle changes that you made. I am not demonizing doctors by any means. And, and I think you, you need to listen to your doctors, but you also need to have conversations with them because doctors are doing what they're trained to do. And in America, doctors are trained on prescribing drugs. Find the ill and then find the pill to help with it. Um, but to me, it really is just putting a Band-Aid on it. And, and I want to get to the root of it. I want to know why this is happening so I can attend to that. And so it is about having a conversation with your doctor. I totally, it's all in my book. I mean, I went to my doctor and said, hey, I found out people were managing this in this natural holistic way that is more in alignment with my principles. And I, I really want to try this. I basically said, I, I'm not asking your permission. I'm telling you, this is my plan. Cause I, I mean, I thought it through, I made a plan. I said, but I, I want you to still care for me. I want you to still monitor and make sure that that, you know, that I'm still well. And so every time it was, well, are you still doing that thing? And I'd say, yes, ma'am. And she goes, okay, well, can't argue with success. Keep doing it because everything's looking good. And, and, and I, I was definitely improving. I was not debilitating, but some people, they do, they, they just get that diagnosis. And I mean, the doctors told me I'd be on medication the rest of my life. I'd start debilitating and probably by the time I was this age, have this and this age, have this. It's just their training. It, I had a great doctor. And I, again, I, I don't want to speak ill about doctors at all, but I had to be my own advocate. I had to find out for myself. But I heard medication the rest of your life and I went, no, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't fit with the way that I operate like I just don't believe God made us to take medication every day of our life. He gave us the medication we need and it's the food that we eat. I, I think medication has its place. I think that sometimes you, you need to take medication for sure. But I personally don't operate under the well, you have to take this every day until you die. Like I just 
there's something that doesn't sit well with me with that. And so I found a way that I'm still doing well, but I'm not necessarily doing the prescribed thing, but I started that way. I started with the prescription and I did everything under doctor supervision. So I think that's super, super important um, to, to let people know. I didn't just go rebel and I'm doing it my way. I made sure that I was still well and healthy. And, and obviously as things got better, like I knew it was going well, but I wanted them to know too. I wanted to, I wanted them to go in on the things that I can't see and tell me that it was still working and it, it was. So um, I don't necessarily tell everyone to get off of their meds, but I know so many people on their meds that feel terrible. So even if you need to stay on your meds, you can feel better by taking better care of yourself. There's so many people that are watching and listening that may be experiencing these side effects of the medicines and they don't know what you know. And this is so valuable what you're saying. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Kwamol said, I feel like I've had MS for over 20 years, but now I have to beat this. Are you getting, I'm getting goosebumps. This is, we talked earlier before the show, and this is what I said. Even if one person it joins us and gets something from this and knows, yes, it's not something that you have to accept. It's something that you can definitely be proactive. Then this whole time that we're together, other than me enjoying your company, this is why we're here, right? Right. And, you know, I said earlier, your genes are not your destiny. Firmly believe that, and I can attest to that. But also, your diagnosis is not your destiny. Like, mm. I just think back how frightened I was. Like, I thought this means my life is over. Not necessarily that I was going to die, but the life I knew was over. And what's really funny is now I can look back and say, you know what? The life I knew was over, but in a positive way, not a negative way. It was because I found a new life, a better life, even better than before my diagnosis. And my family has also benefited from that because they saw the changes that I made and what it did for me. And they also made changes and they don't have MS, but they have other health ailments and stuff that have been helped with better nutrition. And so it's just, again, I'm, I'm in the middle of this course and it's chronic disease after chronic disease, condition after condition, that great nutrition not only prevents, but can also reverse. And so it's never too late until it just is. You know, obviously once, once you're dead, you can't do anything else about it. But until then, you always can make some changes and do something about it. And that's the message that I try to get to people is that it's it's not just about prevention. It's also about reversal. And you have control. You decide how you either just survive or thrive. And so I chose to thrive. Yep. So the optimal diet for MS is really the same that is optimal for all of us if we're looking to prevent cancer, diabetes, and, and the list goes on, blood pressure, heart disease. There's just so many people with autoimmune that just can really benefit from this. But now talk about the, the time that it takes because maybe somebody would say, okay, I'm going to eat this whole week plant-based and no, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> well, I do want to just, I will talk about that, but I want to say something about what you said too, is yeah. it all goes back to 
what we were talking about earlier. It's it's the building blocks. Like your body is made up of trillions of cells, and every day cells die off, and new cells have to be built. And that's the cells in your tongue, the cells in your elbow, the cells in your stomach. Every cell in your body eventually dies off and has to be replaced by new cells. And so giving your body the building materials that it needs allows it to create new cells that are functioning optimally instead of giving it just sustenance that is, you know, just filling that hole and here's this inefficient new cell because you haven't given it the right nutrients to build the, the proper one. And so that just invites disease. So um, it is about fighting all sorts of things and just making your body work optimally and, and disease doesn't happen in an optimal body. So um, timing can be a tricky thing. So as I alluded to earlier, when I first started this, I was working 70 to 80 hour a week, if you also include my commute. And so what I did then was I picked a day, usually Saturday, sometimes it was a little bit Friday night and a little bit Saturday morning, just however it kind of worked into my schedule. And I did what I call a, a, a big cook up for the week. I picked three or four recipes. I made them all and I packaged them individually and stuffed them in my refrigerator so that the rest of the week literally was grab and go. Made it a whole lot easier than driving through that drive-through. Made it a whole lot easier to say, oh no, I've got good food at home that's gonna be ready just in minutes. So I don't need to stop there or whatever. So that is how I started. Um, and I just kind of, I, I made a plan, like I said, and I, I ate these things on this day and, and whatnot. Now I have since transitioned and I, I don't have to do it that way. Anymore. I don't have to do a big cook up because I'm no longer, and I have a little bit more time, but we also recently decided to live the tiny life. So we have less than 400 square feet and we used to have an eight cubic foot refrigerator. So therefore I could not do the big cook up and have it all, you know, individually wrapped. So I had to literally like plan out, okay, when am I going to cook this? And when am I going to cook this so that I have this? And it took a little preparation. Um, it took a little forethought, but just like with anything else over time, it got easier and easier. We now uh, have a full on refrigerator, a full size residential refrigerator because we upgraded we still live the tiny life we still have less than 400 square feet but um we have a full-on residential refrigerator and it's cavernous in there sometimes because i got so used to the little one uh, but um but yeah you can fill it up you will <laughs> but um, i'm glad you talked about the small refrigerator in the small house because some people don't have gourmet kitchens and they live in an apartment or maybe they have roommates or maybe they're in a dorm. And so there's no excuse. You you live in a trailer. You can do this. You can right. make it work. I feel like I said earlier, I feel like I have overcome just about every obstacle or some sort of every obstacle. And it is, but it does. It takes a little bit of planning. It takes a little bit of determination because I cook almost everything from scratch. I said earlier, my homemade barbecue sauce. Do you have to go that route? No, that's just something that again, over time, I have just increasingly decided I want absolute control over what I eat. And I look at those ingredient lists sometimes at the grocery store and go, I don't even understand why that has to be in there. I like that. Sometimes there are ingredients. So I'll tell you one example, and this actually isn't from 
being um, plant-based, but back when I was a teacher in the education system, in the public school system, I had a little girl that was allergic to eggs and we were having a party and yes, I fell prey to that, oh, you just sugar them up and send them home. I know better now, but I was trying to find something that this particular little girl that had an egg allergy could have. And the school had this weird rule about how it had to be pre-packaged. You couldn't yeah. bring anything from home. But I thought, well, they have pre-packaged Rice Krispie treats. And Rice Krispie treats are what? Butter, marshmallows, and Rice Krispies, right? Oh, no. You go to the store and you look at that ingredient list. Like, why is there egg in there? Like, I don't get it. Like, sometimes there's just this crazy mismatch of, of ingredients that make no sense. And, like, with barbecue sauce, it's just the amount of sugar that's in the, some of the store-bought barbecue sauce. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need all that sugar. I want barbecue sauce. And so I've taken additional steps and I make almost everything from scratch. But again, there are those companies out there that are a little bit more cognizant of clean ingredient lists and, and, and the different things that we want, but they're fewer and far between. And if you live in a bigger city, then you have a little bit more access to those. But it really doesn't even have to be that difficult. It um, in my business now, I've, I've moved from education. Yes, he wants to know what's in your barbecue sauce. Oh, so it's basically <laughs> tomato paste, garlic powder, onion powder. Oh, you're going to really test me here. A little bit of liquid aminos, and I do use a little bit of um, maple syrup, but it's a very little bit. Right. Um, you could use date paste too if you, if you didn't want to use the maple syrup. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and there's definitely some some water in there to thin it all down. There might be a few other things I'm forgetting, but it's basically tomatoes, spices, and just a teeny bit of maple syrup and um, liquid aminos to do that whole salt and sugar. See, oh. and you notice how if that was on your label. You could pronounce all of it, and you would recognize all of it, and you could buy all of it, as you do, and bring it in your kitchen and make it. Whereas if you read those labels on the barbecue sauce in the store, you won't recognize a lot of those chemicals, and you surely couldn't just buy that and concoct it in your kitchen. And so, the sugar for ultimate, ultimate refined yeah. sugars, like, you know, high fructose corn syrup. Well, I don't know. I don't want that. <laughs> right, um, because we're, we've learned... By adopting this lifestyle, we learn that th those ingredients are just deleterious to your health. Whether or not you have MS, it is not healthy for you. And it seems like you're really inspiring Guamola, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, who said, I was going to eat beans. What do you think? So I think that we have somebody that wants to get started. <laughs> yeah, beans are awesome. They are full of fiber. They are full of protein. They have the complex carbohydrates that help them to be lower digested, folate and iron, you name it. Beans have great nutritional profile. And that's what I was going to say. It doesn't have to be, doesn't even have to be fancy. A lot of times I have super simple meals. Like I said, today my meal was literally a baked potato, beans, steamed broccoli, barbecue sauce. And by golly, if you want some store-bought barbecue sauce, go for it. Like, you know, that's just the step that I've taken years after, you know, trying to, to go down the path of just eating vegetables. But, um, I have a very simple plant. Sometimes like it literally it's, it's just buildable. There's so many, so many people out there that have this whole buildable, uh, mindset and it's, you know, use a grain or a starchy vegetable. So either like a brown rice or a sweet potato or whatever, and then 
build onto that. Make sure you get some kind of protein in there, like chickpeas or pinto beans or, you know, whatever. And then load it up with some veggies. I chose steamed broccoli today. I could have chopped up some kale or some spinach in there. And mm -hmm. then onions or sweet peppers or you know, just load it up with as many vegetables as you can think of that you might want to have in there and go for it. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a recipe. And by golly, you don't have to do any measuring. You don't just put it in there until you feel like your bowl is good. I mean, sometimes you could even take a bag of frozen vegetables, any kind that you like, because they're already pre-steamed and you could throw that in there too. You wouldn't even have to prepare them if you didn't want to, because yeah. as long as they're just those vegetables and no other sauce in it, you'll be fine. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's just a matter of get them in there any way you can. Well, that's I, I, great. You talked about your book. Talk about things that you're doing to help people adopt this lifestyle and deal with the MS and all the things that you're doing because just having that diagnosis, like you said, it did change your life. You exactly. have a new life now. So what are you doing? Yes, I have a couple of different things. I had this diagnosis. I made all these changes and I saw what it did for me and other people saw what it did for me. I did end up writing a book about my story. Um, it's called I Have MS, But It Doesn't Have Me, My Journey to Wellness with an Autoimmune Disease. And there are some recipes in there, some in the back, because I can't do anything without that. So I finally just shared my story. Um, I also was praying that the Lord would send me a way to combine both my passions. I love teaching. I love helping. And of course, I love health and nutrition. So he placed veggie cooking in my life and I franchise with a company called veggie cooking. I am veggie cooking Camden. Camden is the county that I live in. So that's sort of my tag so to differentiate me from the parent company. But in veggie cooking, we do healthy cooking classes. My main activity is starting with the kids, starting when they're young. We do an after school cooking club. We do summer camps, but I also do adult classes as well. Our slogan is learn to cook and love your veggies because that's the problem that most people have. They just don't know how to cook the veggies. I mean, I know people that will overcook Brussels sprouts. I'm like, well, no wonder you don't like them. They're mush. You can't overcook them, you know? And so, you know, kids don't need help learning to love their burgers and fries. That's gonna be a natural thing, you know, their nuggets and all that, but they need help learning to love their veggies. And we do that. And I just absolutely love what I do. And the kids end up, you know, they'll crinkle their nose and say, we're, we're eating what? But then at the end they're going, can I have more please? Um, yeah, have you already had like thirds? Let's make sure everybody's had enough and then you can have some more. And so it's really great. But I, I do in-person cooking classes. I've been able to do some virtual classes, but that hasn't taken off as much as I wanted it to. People really need that hands-on with this particular, you know, aspect of life. But um, Well, I, I would love to have you come back and do a recipe demo. I think that our Green Warriors would really like that. And I'm putting up the links to your Facebook and your YouTube. And we'll have it in the show notes too. What I was going to say, yeah, so the virtual didn't take off, but we do have some things on YouTube that will help you as well. Some of them are full on cooking classes. Some of them are just like little snippets or a, a demonstration of a recipe. Um, but I just, I, between my book and veggie cooking, and then I do work with some nutritional supplements as well on a smaller basis because some people really want a product versus a service 
but I just, I love helping people on their health journey. And really it's about taking that next step. And a lot of times, sometimes you just need help. You don't necessarily know what that next step is or how to achieve it. And not everybody is necessarily going to have the same goal that I have. So it's really, to me, it's more about more veggies on the plate and in your belly. Because the more veggies that are there, the less of some of the other stuff that's got to be there. Um, so it's not necessarily all or nothing. It's about taking those steps towards um, your goal. And so, yeah. I, and Angela Fischetti, who I was talking about earlier, she's the yoga instructor. She just hopped on, so she didn't hear us talk about her. But she said, I love it when someone shares their health journey with us. We're generously paying it forward. Our whole food plant-based tribe is generous and simply wonderful. So that's a shout out to you, Tracy. <laughs> Hi, Angela. <laughs> She's going to be joining us, I think, at the end of the month to do yoga. And Angela, we were talking about you because Tracy loves to do yoga. And she was talking about that there are yoga instructors that are actually certified in MS yoga. Is that right? Is that what you said? Right? Yeah. Wow. I could just talk to you forever. And I really do hope you can come back and do a recipe demo because that would be a lot of fun. I think people would, are truly inspired by your story. And I'm putting links to all of your social media and ways that they can get in touch with you so that they can learn more about your journey and see if they can glean some more information from you and follow you. And it was so kind of you. For those of you that hopped on a little late, we did actually have Gerard Jacobs who was supposed to be on to talk about his journey with MS. And at the last moment, he said that he wasn't able to come and had to reschedule. And I chatted up Tracy and she said, sure, I'll come on. And this was just hours before the broadcast started. So talk about generous. That was just so kind of you to do that and to come back on. And people just love to hear you and, and you have so much to share. And I'm just, I hope that everybody buys your book and checks out all your social media and supports you. I appreciate and you reaching out to me. I'm glad I had the time to do it. it. It's a little more difficult with my tiny life doing the demonstration because I'm not necessarily set up for that um, video wise, but I'm still tr turning my gears on how I, I might be able to do that. Um, okay. And I may have to enlist some help from someone else that has the <laughs> Some equipment that I don't have and whatnot but yeah. okay well you let us know and green warriors tell us what are you going to remember from today's broadcast what's your takeaway I also wanted to tell you stay tuned for a special announcement but hey thanks to Jess Tass boy she did the countdown and she also at the last minute she changed our thumbnail from Gerard to Tracy so she was there in a pinch and she helped get everything done at the last minute so it was really just so awesome of her. And just has voice. Tell us who is coming up next. Cam F. Awesome is a national motivational speaker, a plant-based boxing champion, and comedian. Sage Gardner has been vegan for over five years and has been vegetarian most of her life. Sage will share her personal journey around nutrition and conscious consumption. Learn about their plant-based journeys on Be Green with Amy Live, Wednesday, June 15th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Well, most of all, I want to thank all of you Green Warriors who have joined us today and shown your love with your likes and your hearts and, and your nice comments. And that's what it's all about. That's why I'm here. That's why Tracy's here, because we know that this lifestyle is so critical to helping people with MS and also with other health issues. And I thank you again, Tracy. Thank you, Green Warriors, for being there with us. And I also wanted to, oh, <laughs> 
the angel said, yay, it's for Jesse T. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to invite you to join me and Tracy to do my tagline. Are you ready? You can guys can type it in. Be strong, be well, be green. Are you ready to do that? Okay, here we go. Until I see you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks again, Tracy. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.